Good afternoon, everyone. Hope everybody's having a good time so far. I know it's, a, it's pretty cold here, so um, feel free to wear your jackets, definitely. Um, <laughs> so welcome again to week three um, of our career program. So, so everybody who hasn't been here before, um, Ignite is currently running its career month, and we're currently in week three. So week one, we went about um, our career panels where we split into six different industries and we gleaned insights from different professionals. Week two, we had our speed mentorship program. So, you know, we had different people with, you know, mixed experiences talking about their careers and people asking questions. And today is week three, our resume workshop. Um, my name is Caro, and I will be your moderator for the day. So just before we kick off, I'll just give you a few housekeeping announcements and then we'll get started. Um, I think like everybody has constantly been saying, if you have a blue wristband, this is your section. This is for people between, with career experience between three to seven years. Um, if that doesn't seem like it's you, there is the young or the younger um, version, which is in the sanctuary. And then if you are aged, so if you, are, if you have career experience eight years and above, there is the, another session that's going to be at the Emerge Church. And if you need any assistance, you can talk to some of the ushers who will be on at the, around the Welcome Center and right behind you as well. Um, okay, so for the format today, the first 30 minutes will essentially be having sort of a presentation by our resume professional who will be briefing us on general tips and tricks. Um, afterwards, we'll have 30 minutes where everybody can ask questions um, pertaining to the presentation. Um, so that means, unfortunately, we won't be having one-on-one -on -one resume critiquing. Um, sorry about that. Um, and then the buses, for anybody who's taking the buses, um, those will be leaving at 4.30. So at 4.30, I'll, I'll make that announcement that everybody who's taking the bus can kindly leave um, for the buses. And then at the end of the session, um, don't be in a hurry. The career team would like you to scan the QR code, um, which is on the wall. Excuse me, the wall right there. It will also be on the presentation as well, but make sure that you put in your feedback. And the idea behind that is to get um, the career team to you know, have some sort of feedback to help with carrying on or improving that experience moving forward. Okay, um, with further ado, I'd like to welcome our resume professional for the day. I'll go over her bio and then we'll have her to begin. Um, Corinne is an HR professional with a strong passion for recruitment, which stems from her understanding that people and not policies make up the culture and are behind the success of an organization. In addition to speaking four languages, wow, Corinne is a certified diversity and inclusion recruiter with over six years of experience and has worked in various multinationals such as World Vision Canada, CBC slash Radio Canada, and GFL. She currently works for a global engineering consultancy company as the campus recruitment lead for the Americas. So that, that covers Canada, US, and Chile. So ladies and gentlemen, join me as we welcome Corinne. All right, okay. First of all, thank you so much for attending this, um, this workshop. Such a privilege for me to share a little bit of um, you know, what I've learned being in recruitment and also having applied some of the things that I will be sharing in my career as well that has led me to where I currently am. All right, so this is just an overview of what you will learn today because I think it's important that you know, you're able to benchmark yourself. So 
some of the questions that I put there is what information should, you, should be included um, on your resume? How can you tailor your resume to stand out, right? Um, what are some effective strategies to showcase your skills? Um, it's great because this group caters to those that are three to seven, so either you know, you've been working for some years or you're looking to switch career. How do you go about doing that? Um, and also how to address gaps on your resumes and much more. All right, so before, again, I didn't know that Kara was gonna do this, so I already had that on my slide. Um, but yes, yeah, so I am campus recruitment lead um, for the Americas. I work for, for an engineering consulting firm. I am not an engineer, so I've been able to you know, hone my skills and work in multiple different um, industries. And um, you know, I'm a UFT graduate, any UFT alumni in the room? Ooh, 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 yay. Yeah, so I'm a UFC graduate, class of 2014, um, and I've also, you know, been, a, uh, been privileged to further my studies in Spain, where I have two masters, masters in market research and a masters in um, management. Um, again, all of these kind of intertwine into what I'm actually doing today. And, you know, outside of, you know, doing this and working, I love traveling and I love cooking. And shout out because Italian food is the best type of food. Please, Nigerians, don't beat me up, please. please, please. <laughs> All right. And also, newsflash. So I'm actually not Nigerian. Many people think I'm Nigerian, but I'm actually Cameroonian. So, yes, yeah, so I'm actually not Nigerian. I know, right? <laughs> All right. So... Let's, let's take a little overview, because I think for me, when I do learn, I like to start from scratch, right? I don't want to assume that I know when I most likely don't know, right? So what is really a resume? It's a document that provides an overview of your work history, um, you know, your education. It provides information about what you're looking to doing, what you have done where you currently are and what you're really looking to doing, right? And really the purpose of the resume, how I think about it is that this is my ticket to prove to the employer or the hiring manager that I am the one for the job, okay? Because again, you know, when you're applying for a job, you're not the only one applying for the job. There are multiple people applying for the job as well. So you really wanna make sure that your resume stands out. And another way that I think about it is that, you know, if as a decision maker, if I have, I don't know, let's say 60 resumes that I have to go through, I don't have, like if it's gonna take me, I don't know, two minutes per resume, and I have a nine to five, which is about eight hours, let's say seven hours if you're taking your, your, your lunch break, you don't wanna spend two hours just on resumes, right? Like, I mean, I'm a recruiter, I, I don't have two hours to spare to go through one job, right? So that's where, you know, the purpose of your resume is really, really important because you wanna make sure that in 30, 45 seconds, it's clear that at the bare minimum, you have what it takes to be able to do the job. And those are the strategies that we're gonna share on how to make sure that you stand out in that 30 to 45 minutes, um, 30 to 45 seconds. Because like I said, you know, as a recruiter, it's not just one job we're hiring for. We're hiring for multiple positions at once. On average, a recruiter has about 25 to 30 positions that they're juggling all at the same time. So if you think, let's say, for example, 50 people apply per job for 30, um, 30 position, that's 1,500 people that the recruiter has to go through. And that is a lot, like, genuinely, genuinely, recruiters don't have time for that, right? So that is why it's so critical that your resume stands out. Now, there are three types of um, resumes. So the chronological, again, self-explanatory. There's a functional that, that emphasizes more of your skill, but the one we're gonna look at today is the hybrid that kind of blends the best of both worlds. 
All right, so I think this piece is important um, because, you know, when we think resume, many a time we just want to go and just write, right? But you, I think understanding the hiring process kind of gives in, um, it kind of gives insight as to what is important and what is not really important. So how, a, how the process to, that leads to you seeing a job posted, and I'm going to walk you through it. So what typically happens is, let's say, for example, a hiring manager um, or the manager or the supervisor, you know, they identify a need in their team, right? And the need could be uh, maybe somebody left, the somebody left the organization and their team and they need to replace. Or they realize, you know what, our workload has expanded and we need more hands on deck. So that's how it starts. So it starts with the need. So then once the need has been identified, then the hiring manager goes to the, the people partner, that's what they call them right now, or um, previously, they'll call them HRBPs, human resource business partners. So they will go to request for approval to ensure that, number one, there is budget, right? Because there's no need to employ somebody and then realize that there's no money to actually pay the person. And so, and just, again, making sure that all the approvals are put together. Now, once that is done, so, you know, the... the HRBP has given their okay, then the hiring manager or the manager, the supervisor would now go to the recruiter, right? And I've kind of identified the three different people that actually play in that process. Now, the recruiter and the, and the HRBP are two different people, right? So the recruiter is the person that would down do an intake meeting. And typically in an intake meeting, what happens is the recruiter will ask them, okay, what type of person are you looking for? What's the job title? Right? What's the need that you're trying to cover? Right? So, and then it's in that intake meeting now that the job description is actually created because the purpose of the job description is to attract that person that we're looking to fill the position. So once that is done, you know, again, in the intake meeting, the hiring manager, uh, the recruiter will then ask, you know, how long do you want the position to be posted? Because newsflash, not all positions get, get posted. Or sometimes they get posted, but there's already somebody that has been hired. So it actually gets posted because it's part of an internal policy, right? So then that happens. So all of that information is gathered, the recruiter posts the job, and then applications start flowing in. Now again, I mentioned that the recruiter has limited time, and that's not the only position that they're working on. Right? So as the, as, the, as the resumes are coming in, they're sifting through the resume to identify potentials the one. Right? So that's where, for example, you will not get a phone call after you've applied for a job for a phone screening. So that means that you've, you've passed the first um, filtering, right? That, you know what, you potentially could be the one for the, for the position, right? So that's when you now get the phone call. Now, again, the recruiter at that point is still doing some sifting because before they get back to the hiring manager, they would have done a first level of sifting. Now, once that level is done, let's say, for example, they, they speak to five people, then they shortlist three. Then the, those three people then appear before the hiring manager. So that's when you now get an MS team um, uh, interview. Right? And then from then, now the manager would then interview the three candidates and eventually find their golden unicorn. Okay? So... I just explained the process. Now, from that process, who do you think is your audience as somebody that is looking for a job? I can't hear anybody. The recruiter. You think it's the recruiter? Because who's making the final decision? It's the hiring manager. That is your audience, right? Because again, the hiring manager, he's just worried about his position. The recruiter is worried about that position, 
plus many other positions, right? So your target audience really, really is your hiring manager. And how you know that is through the job description, okay? Because the job description is not just, it's not a generic thing. It's a, it's a description that has been co-created, actually co-created really towards the latter end, but who is initiating that job description is actually the hiring manager. So the hiring manager is your target audience. All right, so let's talk about the job description, right? So sometimes the job description can be very convoluted. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, which one is important? Which one is a must have? Which one is a nice to have? Which one is a should have, right? So the critical things that you want to look at um, on the job description, you want to check the qualifications. You want to check the duties. What are the responsibilities that they will, ex that, are, that they're expecting from this new hire? You want to check, okay, what are the requirements, right? So those are the critical things that you want to look at. And the purpose for that is this will help you to customize your resume to your target audience who is the hiring manager. So your target audience is not really the recruiter. And the reason why I say that is, you know, many a times people, you know, they reach out to recruiters, right, and send LinkedIn email, which is great. Sometimes you get an answer, sometimes you don't. It's not that we're wicked. It's just that there's so much things to do, right? But then, and that will also help you to kind of tweak the kind of questions you're asking the recruiter. So one of the questions that you want to ask the recruiter when you're reaching out to them on LinkedIn is, oh, can you please put me in contact with the hiring manager? Because that's the person you're really, really trying to talk to, right? Because they are the ones that are, find, are making the final decision if you're going to join their team or not. It's not the recruiter that makes up that decision. Now, uh, do they, does the recruiter influence the decision? Absolutely. But who f makes the decision at the very end is the hiring manager. Because you're not going to work on the recruiter's team. You're going to work on the hiring manager's team, okay? So now, once you've, you know, you've identified, okay, these are the things that they're looking for in that person, now you want to do a skill inventory, and this piece is very critical. Now, a skill inventory is just putting together, okay, what do you have, right? What are the skill set that you have? And when you're thinking skill set, don't be bogged down by, um, by nomenclature, right? You want to make sure that you're looking at, you're thinking transferable skills, and I think they mentioned transferable skills as well, um, in the career profiling, right? Transferable skills. So for example, right? I work in recruitment, right? I have, apart from my certified, my, my certification that I did, I don't have formal education. Like I don't have a bachelor's in human resource or a master's in human resource. I mean, in UFT I studied what? Economics and Italian, right? Then I went ahead, I did two masters, market research and management, zero technical HR. But what has helped me is my transferable skills. Okay? So what does that mean? So as a recruiter, you talk to people. So I speak multiple languages. So I mean, it means that I understand people. Right? So for example, when I, when I interview people that are from, let's say, Latino descent, descent, I know the question that I need to ask to kind of pull at them. Because, you know, it's, it's similar cultures to us. We don't really know how to talk about ourselves. Right? So those are the skill set that I bring that are quite unique to just somebody that, you know, again, nothing wrong for people that have done their, their bachelor's in human resource. To be very honest, if I knew that I was going to be in this, I would have done this from the onset. Right? So those are the kind of skill sets. So I'm thinking transferable skills. Right? So again, I'm organized. Right? I, I like talking with people. 
I understand big picture. Like I'm able to conceptualize big picture. And I love, 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 love working in the people business. Like I really like it. If you put me behind a computer, you have lost me. So I know, for example, that I can't be, you know, a tech, a tech person. It just will not gel. Right? So again, transferable skill is what you're thinking. Of. So as you're doing your inventory, you know, you're writing down, okay, they're asking for X. Okay, I have maybe Y. Can I make it work? And one of the things that I recommend, which um, actually I'm going to get to that, but another thing that I want to mention, there's a tendency to think that experience is just paid, but that is not true. That is actually not true. Any experience that you have had, paid or not paid, is still called experience. So I remember earlier in my career, when I just moved back from Spain, um, you know, I was, I was part, I was doing workforce, um, workforce duties with, um, with Ignite when it started. I put that on my resume when I started. Because experience is experience. It doesn't really matter if it's been paid or not. If you've been able to, to grab a skill from anything that you've done, it is valid experience. So again, don't get bogged down by nomenclature and thinking, oh, you know what, um, you know, I don't have everything that they're asking um, on, on the job description. Which leads me to my next point. If you meet minimum 65% of the job description, apply for the job. This piece is very important. The reason for that is because if you have 100% of what they're asking you, you will get bored very quick. And obviously that would not look good. That would not really look good on you because then, you know, you start looking for other opportunities. Nothing wrong with that, but the whole idea, because recruitment takes time, is very time consuming, and it's very expensive. So nobody is trying to hire somebody that will just come and, you know, two months and go. Because then we have to go back to ground zero, post the job, start screening, all of that. We don't want to do that. So if you meet minimum 65% of the, of the requirements on the, on, the, on the job description, submit your application. Because truthfully, many a times, you know, this is just insider just hiring managers are looking for a golden unicorn, and that does not exist. Right, like it's human beings that, that work the job, right? That's how we call it in, in, um, in recruitment, it's golden unicorns, right? But if you, like I said, if you meet 65% of, of the requirement, submit your application. Because a lot of the job, you will also learn it on the job because um, organization can be very contextual, right? So how they do one thing, for example, even recruitment, how recruitment is done in one organization looks I mean, the, the fundamentals are the same, but it might just look a bit different, right? So I've worked in organizations, for example, whereby the responsibility of the job um, description was solely on the hiring manager. I've also worked on, in others where it was co-creation. I've worked in others where it's solely on the recruiter with just, you know, the hiring, the hiring manager would just say, oh, add this, remove this. So again, fundamentals, but how it's applied on the job is very different, right? So again, if you meet minimum 65% of um, the requirement, submit your application. So what are the characteristics of a good resume? First, it has to be tailored, right? You want to make sure that you're tailoring. Okay. You want to make sure that you're tailoring your resume to the job because no, no um, same job titles 
is the same job because people, different organizations call, might call the same job very differently. So for example, I started my career as customer service, right? That's actually like 2014, customer service, bilingual customer service, right? And the same job that I was doing in another company, it was called order processing. We should think like customer service, order processing, like where's the correlation? But again, different name, same job. So that's why you want to tailor, tailor um, your resume. The other thing is you want to focus on, on accomplishments and skills, not necessarily duties. And what I mean by that is, okay, so customer service, um, what I was really doing was, you know, order processing, to be very honest, right? So things like accuracy is very important, making sure that I don't make mistakes because they're very costly, right? Um, things like, you know, making sure that I get back to clients very quickly. So how I would put that on my resume, I won't just say, oh, process orders and customer was happy, right? Like, I wouldn't say that. So you want to make sure that it is both qualitative and quantitative, when you're focusing on your, on your accomplishments. The other thing is you want to provide enough detail, but be concise and focused. And again, think, think of your audience. Who is your audience? How much time do they have, right? That is why you want to be concise and focused, but still providing relevant information. And then this goes without saying, make sure there's no grammar or spelling errors. So let's go now, because you know, we're going into a funnel, right? We spoke about what is a resume, you know, um, like uh, we just looked at you know, the characteristics of a good resume. Now let's take a deeper dive at the content of your resume. Now, five main important things. So contact information, your professional summary, or some people call it objectives. Then um, you want to look at your work experience, right? Honestly, that is the meat of your resume. Your skill sets, licenses, certification that you have that are relevant to the job that you're applying for, and then your education. So your, con so your contact information, and I know like this sounds very duh, but we have, in my experience, I've had circ circumstances where this was an amazing candidate. We couldn't reach them. Like genuinely, we sent an email, it bounced back. We called, it didn't go. Like, I mean, if I can't find you, I can't hire you. Right? So this piece is very important. Your online presence as well, it is very important. It's very, very important. You want to make sure that your LinkedIn, you know, looks sharp, right? So that we're able to put a face to a name, right? I mean, I've seen some LinkedIn pages. I'm just like, yeah, what is going on here, right? Because again, um, first impression matters, okay? Like, First impression does matter. So you want to make sure that even your online present, it's speaking for you even without me having met you. Okay? So you want to make sure that it's correct information. You know, if, you're, if your name is, I don't want to butcher anybody's name, but, she, okay, if your name is Kareen, but you prefer to be called Coco, just put Coco on your resume. Like, just make it simple. Right? Like, I know that you have your... A village name right? that you're very emotional to. Please try and re try and reduce the hurdle in getting you hired. Okay, so if you know Coco, you will not die with Coco. Put Coco there. Nobody is fighting you for that. All right. And then now, if you have like industry-specific um, certification, so PMP, um, registered nurse, um, a PNG, right? You want to. 
put that next to your name as well. So that if, so that let's say, for example, if I'm hiring for an engineer and I see PN, automatically you're in my shortlist. Rather than for me having to look, okay, are you a PN? Have you done, like, again, time is of the essence. Okay? And then if you're open to relocating as well, put that there. Right? Because sometimes the job might require, you know, it, it could be remote, you know, that could also potentially open opportunities for you that, that maybe was not even on the job description. So if you're open to relocating, have that at the top um, at, your, at your head. So your professional summary. So this is more of like an elevator pitch, but on your resume, right? So in three lines, you want to tell um, the, the hiring manager a short description of who you are and really why you are the best thing before sliced bread in three sentences, okay? So like I said, it's an elevator pitch of your resume. All right, so again, two to three lines long, composed of short, concise sentence. So for example, I put, I put some there. The first one, customer-oriented, full sales um, cycle SMB account executive with three years of experience, maximizing sale, crushing quotas, building and building trusted, loyal relationship with high-profile clients. Right, like it's very edgy. It's nice, it sounds nice. So again, those are, that's what you want to put in your professional summary. And you know what? It's really, really great, especially if you're trying to, um, if you're trying to switch career, this, is really, this really is amazing. Because in a nutshell, it would tell me where you're coming and where you are trying to go to without me having to necessarily read your resume. Because once I see that, I know, okay, the person is transitioning. So I have to, have to kind of, you know, apply a bit of breaks here. And then it gives, it gives me, an, it gives me, like it makes me a bit more willing to just be a bit calmer, right? Rather than just thinking, okay, you know what, like, let's say for example, I'm behind for a BA, right? Um, it might not mention that you don't necessarily need to be technical, but if I'm looking for somebody that has a bit more technical and you, this is your first BA role, when you tell me you have X, Y, and Z and you're looking to break into BA, then that's a different ballgame, Okay. All right, so your skill set and your license and your licenses. This is really amazing. Again, I know that there are some jobs um, or some fields that are very, very heavy on certification. Like the medical field is one of them. Engineering as well is one of them. So you want to make sure that it's there. Um, also think of both soft skills and hard skills. So hard skills are you know the technical skills. Um, the technical skills that you have, right? These are skills that you need to actually perform on the job. And then soft skills are like communication, interpersonal, right? And those skills are very important because I will tell you, people get promoted, um, especially when you get to a certain level, you get promoted because people like you. Like, not to say you're mediocre at your job. You can really just be performing at like base level. But if you, if you happen to fall in the lap of somebody that is influential and they like you, chances are you will get promoted. And that's where your interpersonal skills are very important. So for example, when we do, like when we say, oh, you know, join the workforce, join the workforce in church, it's not, I mean, there is obviously a spiritual piece to it that, that you will re-benefit, but it's also playing into your career. Because you're able to learn how to deal with people. I mean, and no, what better place than church, right? Like, because nobody gets paid to do this, right? So it's actually playing in your favor. And that's what I was saying, that experience is not just about paid experience, right? So, for example, if you're, if you're head usher, 
or let's say within the ushering team, you know, you, you head a particular section, right? That is leadership skill right there. Because you need to organize your people, right? You need to, I guess, maybe report to your supervisor, okay, this is the person that is here, this person is not, that's not there. So it's leadership. So that's what I say, think transferable skills. Don't just think, oh, you know, um, like even if, let's say, for example, you work at Subway, right? You're methodical. Because QA is important, right? If they say tuna, you put fish, it's not the same, right? So, again, experience is valid. It's whatever your hand is doing, that is experience. It does not have to be paid, okay? So, again, your work experience, this is really the meat of it. Um, so, this tells us your past jobs, you know, short description, um, and then highlighting what you have done on the job. Because we can have two people doing the same job but having completely different results. Okay? So here you want to list your experience in reverse chronological order. So starting from what you, where you're currently at and then moving back. Right? And then you want to focus again on relevance. Now, if you're looking at transitioning, which maybe you might not necessarily have any relevant experience in that field, but you have transferable skills that you can leverage on. Okay? So again, think transferable skills. And even when you're putting those transferable skills in your resume, you can use bold, italize, underline. So let's say if on the job description they say... Um, you know, has, impl has implemented a process, right? Like, this, this is a new process that we're doing, right? You agree with me that this is a new process? You implement, you're part of the implementation team, right? And that's it now. It's English. Right? So again, it does not have to be paid. Right? It doesn't have to be paid. Okay? So, please, like, I don't know why I keep repeating that. It's as if somebody's not hearing it. It does not have to be paid for it to be valid experience. Okay? Um, and here, you know, if you have volunteer experience as well, which is another great way of getting experience if you're looking to transition. And there's so many ways you can go about it. You can reach out to somebody that is already in the field on LinkedIn and then say, you know what? I have some spare time. I would love to be a part of the work that you're working, of, the, of, of what you're working on. How can I support? Because many a times, you know, people reach out with, I want to take. But when you reach out with what I want to give, you get remembered easier. Because everybody's trying to take. Right? Um, and with this one, you want to use three to six bullet points, max, for each of your accomplishments. All right? So two lines, make it very short and sweet. And think qualitative and quantitative. Okay? So we're going to look at an example, right? So this is how you describe your accomplishment using action verbs, all right? So there's option one, action verb, what you did, what was the result, action verb, result, and what, and what you did. So for example, the first one, it says optimize website pages, so that's what you did, right? With relevant keywords and improved formatting and, read, and readability, decreasing bounce rate from 62% to 34, that's the result. Okay, so this will be great for somebody that is going into marketing, for example, right? And then the, the, the next one says, reduce cost by 3,000, so that is the result. What did you do? Eliminate um, unnecessary servers and consolidated databases. So you see how like, it's short and sweet? Yeah. So, um, so with that being said, I, I brought some, uh, like a list of action verbs. Um, Kara's going to help me share that. So that list has... 
a lot of action verb that you can use for different things. So for example, if you want to say, instead of saying work in a team, collaborated. Because again, it's English. But you have to speak the, you have to speak the language of your audience. And that is what your audience hears. They don't hear work in a team. Okay? So you want to speak the language of your audience. Right? So let's say, for example, if you're in the finance, if you're in the finance uh, place, analyze, reported, English. But please, speak the English of your audience. Don't speak the English of your house. It's the one of your audience that you're trying to speak. Right? So I, I know that they're sharing it, but you'll see this, uh, I mean, so many verbs. Um, and also even adverbs as well that you can use, right? Um, strongly, um, systematically, right? Don't just verbs. Speak the language of your audience, pretty much, okay? And, you, and like I said, you want to make it quantitative and qualitative. Um, then education, this is the last one. Um, this is where obviously you highlight, you know, your degrees, your certificate, your, um, like your formal training. Um, you know, again, same thing, put it in reverse chronological order, right? So let's say if you graduated, if you're doing your master's um, and you're graduating this year, you will start with your master's, then followed by your, your, um, your bachelor's degree. All right. So... As we're wrapping up, so look and feel is very, very important, okay? The look, of your, look and feel of your resume is important. So things like your formatting. Don't use Calibri in the top. Then you don't use Arial at the bottom, <laughs> right? Stick to one, okay? Because look and feel is important, all right? Don't exceed more than two pages. No more. No matter what you have to say, it's not relevant after two pages, Please not, because like I said, remember time is of the essence, okay? So stick to short, sweet, concise, okay? And then you want to use the, the, the catchy um, action verbs. Use bullet points, paragraph. Like, use a, think about it. When somebody sends you a text and it's long, don't you, you me, I open, I close, because I'm like, I need, I need time to process what, I, what just happened. Why are you sending me a long bullet points? Right? So it's the same thing. Okay? Because some people, sometimes you think, oh, that's their job. Eh, it's their job, but facilitate the job. Who's trying to get hired here? It's not me. <laughs> right? So again, like I, I mentioned, you know, use bolding. So if they're, if they're specific, if you, if they're specific um, programs um, that, that is on the job description, which you have, bold it. Make it easy for us to find it. Right? So if they ask for Jira and they ask for, uh, what's the other one? All of that, Scrum Master, all this thing, build it. Let it, easy, let it be easy for me to find it. Right? And then, you know, keep, keep it consistent because, again, look and feel is important. And it also tells us who you are. You will be shocked. It actually tells us who you are. Like, it actually tells, especially like if you've been in recruitment for some time, you're able to just pick on one or two things, right? And then, you know, leverage your friends to, um, to, to review your resume, like spelling check, you know, oh, you're not selling yourself well here. You know, this is looking very blur. You know, put a lot, like I said, qualitative and quantitative. So you want to put, you know, um, when you're talking about the results of the stuff that you did, put percentage in there because it's easy to conceptualize, 
right? Because if you tell me, oh, you reduce waste by 50%, that is good, right? But if you just tell me, oh, I reduce waste, okay, in comparison to what? Right? So that is that in a nutshell. So right now we're going to open it up for questions. Um, I'm sure you guys have a couple, so... All right, one more applause for Corinne again. That was amazing. I think the biggest thing for me is the hiring manager is your target audience. I didn't, I thought it was always the recruiter, so mind blowing. Um, now it's time for questions. Does anyone have questions? And I'll, I mean, okay. Good afternoon, Coco. Um, thanks again for the presentation. Um, the question I had was regarding the uh, skill section. So uh, I've, I've heard sort of, I guess, two opinions on how to go about writing that section. Um, one camp is that, you know, when you have skills, they're listed in, in um, like a long bullet points, but you don't have them showing up anywhere else in your experience. It kind of does not carry as much weight or, or is convincing um, versus, you know, just having them there as, like you said, stuff that would highlight your like, key experiences or key skills that they're looking for. So I was wondering, um, what was your, your, your take on that? Yeah, so, so how I ask the question is that you also have to think of the industry that you're in, right? So the purpose of having that skill sets um, is just so that it's easy to identify. Now, in your achievement, like in the core, in the meat of your work experience, we will be able to know if truly you have those skill sets by how you put it. Right? So let's say, for example, um, you are use customer service, right? And you put that one of the skills that you have is excellent communication. Now, I should be able to see in your accomplishment that your excellent communication has led to X benefit for the organization. Do you get what I mean? So that's how you're able to have the best of both worlds. Because there are some industries, I know, especially like in um, like computer science where, which, oh, interesting, you're there as well. Um, where you know they, they want to see like all the technical the, all the technical skills that you have right so put it there but make sure that it, like I said your achievement show the fruits of the skill set that you have so that's why you want to make sure that your achievement is both qualitative and quantitative because it gives um, credibility to the skill set that you've put. Hi, Coco. Thank you so much for your presentation. Um, mine is around the, like the stats of the resume portion. So what if you don't have like direct access to those particular numbers? How do you add it as your results? For example, like a budget, for example. I know that like, you helped reduce the budget in one way or the other. How can you make do the lingo to make sense? So, okay, so if I understand your question, so when you're, when you're trying to make your accomplishment both qualitative and mm -hmm. quantitative, yeah. right? So what I would say is focus on what you have and not what you don't have, mm -hmm. okay? So if you influence a budget, right, and like let's say you're not the owner of the budget, so you can't necessarily say if it was X percent or whatnot, but you influence the budget, right? So talk about how your influence of the, what's your influence of the budget led to, 
Does that make sense? Yeah, because I, again, you're not going to lie. And if you don't have, if you don't have, if you don't have ownership of the budget, it's very hard to put a number to it. But whatever you did that affected positively that budget, quantify that. Good afternoon, and thank you very much for the seminar and resume workshop, which was like helpful. Uh, I have a question, two questions. The first one is, uh, for example, I work for a company, like uh, an outsourcing company. Uh, okay, what company an is that? outsourcing company. Okay, so they outsource like um, workers and oh, for, for, okay. yeah, for Go different ahead. companies. Okay, so I worked for this company, and under this company. Uh, was Home Depot. So basically, I was working for uh, the outsourcing company under Home Depot. So I was applying for jobs online, and I saw Home Depot. Does it make sense to like apply to the job on Home Depot? Absolutely. And uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and also, I have a second question. You this I have a question. Your T4, your paycheck, does it say Home Depot? No. Uh, and also, I have a second question. So I was doing my master's in uh, business administration. So at one point, I actually like uh, put it on hold for the meantime. Mm -hmm. Can I put it on my resume? Does it make sense to put it on my resume? OK, so it's dicey because if you put it on your resume and they ask you questions, would you be able to answer? Yes. So, would you, so let's say, for example, like I'm painting a scenario, I don't know what the what what the what the the issue on had is, but let's say you started it during the pandemic, right? And then you put it on a hold. Now, are you looking to continue in, in the near future? Like, do you get what I'm saying? So, if they ask you a question, that oh, because again, you want to make sure that whatever can hinder you, and if it's not relevant, if it's not important to the role, you don't need to put it. Okay. Okay, but but if it's one of those scenarios whereby you put it on hold and you're looking at going back to school in September, absolutely put it on. Perfect. Yeah. Thank like you. Like if you, that's if you know that you're going back to it in the in the near future, put it on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And to answer the question that you asked before about um, Home Depot, you actually have a competitive advantage because you understand Home Depot already. Right. Do you get what I mean? You understand because you you like. I know that you're not working for them, but they're your clients, right? Within your outsourcing company. So you have a competitive advantage, so please apply for the job. Thank you very much. Hi, Coco. Thank you for your presentation. I have like two questions. First question is, if you're trying to transition from a career path, say you're doing something related to tax, and during the course of your experience, you did something regarding maybe recruiting mm -hmm. because you had to do it for the team. And you see something on recruiting because you want to make the transition to recruiting. Mm -hmm. Now, what do you call yourself? Because if I write um, a tax associate or a tax consultant, mm -hmm. the um, recruiter or the person screening the CV automatically say she's a tax consultant. Right. What is she looking for in recruiting? But if I say I'm a recruiter, I'm not a recruiter because if you do a background check, the company says I'm a tax consultant. Yeah. That's the first question. Okay. I can go to the second question. Let me answer that first. Okay. So that's where your professional summary is very important. Okay. So in there, you want to say, um, you know, tax professional 
with experience in recruiting within the financial space. Okay? <laughs> That's it. Right, because, because then what happens is that how you're able to break into recruitment in the financial space, and eventually you can break into other, other spaces, but you have, a, you have an exit road, okay? So you can work for like Robert Half, you can work for like all, all, the, um, uh, all these recruitment agencies, because like they actually, one of their core business is hiring financial people and they need that kind of skill set because it's very unique. Like, as much as I've worked in other industry, I don't really know anything about taxes. So even if I'm trying to hire a CPA, you are in a better place than I am to know what is important. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so yes. And so play with your professional summary and then in your, um, your accomplishment, emphasize a little bit more on recruitment. Okay. So uh, mention, obviously you mentioned that you were part of the recruitment process. You can say, oh, you um, screened candidates, you interviewed, you sat on panels. All this thing is recruitment. Yeah. I think that kind of puts some answers for the next question. Okay. But my next question was just simply, so under the, your functions, you know, talking about things you've done for the firm, you want to talk about the recruitment bits, but at the same time still talk about what you, your primary role is. Is there any need for you to put something regarding I do tax consulting or just put in there I do recruiting for the tax put team? Put both. Put both. Because you want to make sure that you also, if, they hire, if your title is tax consultants, let's see that you're actually doing the tax. Yeah. Right? But then also put the recruitment because when I read your your um, professional summary or your objective and I now dig deeper I'm able to see okay this lady is actually she's been in the the tax space but she's trying to move into recruitment but still staying within the financial space okay. does that make sense yeah thank you good afternoon um, thank you very much for a very insightful session. Um, and my question is, how would you, no, actually the first one is, um, what's your opinion on tagging a video to your interview? So you, tagging a video to your, sorry, tagging a video, video to your resume. Okay. So um, there are like all these platforms like Vidyard that allow you to do like a brief video intro um, that you can hyperlink on mm -hmm. your resume. So what's your opinion on that? Mm -hmm and um, how would you suggest we approach it? Okay, so that's, I would say do it based on the industry. In the creative world, that makes sense, right? If you're going to finance, <laughs> they, they are more interested if you can do the job than what's on your video, right? So if, if the creative space is where you're looking at, let's say for example, if you're applying for a videographer, or please, uh -huh, that's it. You know, you can put it there. Right? That, that's, that will be of more value because it's more relevant to that industry than it is maybe, for example, for the financial space or for the engineer, or engineer. engineers are very, 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 they don't used to look left or right. Right? So if creative, absolutely go ahead. But other ones, I, I don't think, I don't see value in it. Thank you. Thank you very much for this uh, workshop. Very, very helpful. Um, the question I have really is uh, cover letters. How important are they in this Good. time and age? 
So cover letter is, is interesting because there's so much debate on cover letters, right? And it takes so much time <laughs> to write one. Um, now, that being said, there are some industries like consultancy where cover letter is very big, right? Um, I would say create one if they ask for it. If they don't ask for it, don't give yourself more work. No, genuinely, because if they don't ask for it, it means that it's not important, right? Because I know some people think, oh, you know, I would create an off I would create a cover letter if I'm transitioning, because then I can go a bit more detail about myself, right? But if I'm not transitioning and they don't ask me for it, I'm not creating one. It takes time. Okay, but if you're transitioning, yeah, I think it will help. Like it will give a bit more context as to. Where, why you're going where you say you're going to, right? That, that has a bigger impact of, um, has, has a bigger potential of impacting the final decision. Yeah. Hi, Coco. Good afternoon and thank you so much. Um, I just have a real quick question. Um, on the skills section, are you supposed to focus more on like soft or hard skills or like both, both of them? Mm -hmm. And then is there like a required amount of, amount of like, you know, the number you're supposed to put there? Would you so advise anything? Check the job description, yeah. right? If there's some hard, um, uh, hard skills that, um, that they've highlighted on the job description that you have, put that there, okay? I would say no more than 10 because then it gets overbearing. Like combination of both, by the way, no more than 10. Hi, Coco. Um, so I have two questions. The first one is, would it come off as disrespectful if you asked the recruiter to link you with the hiring manager? No, it depends on how you go about it. Okay. No, there's nothing wrong with that. Okay. And my second question is, do you include your undergrad in your resume? Like if you graduated 2014, would you still need to include that? You mean my degree? Bachelor's, yeah. Oh, yes, I include it. I okay. think it's easy to be your of the graduate. <laughs> <laughs> I include it. Last question, sorry. Um, so if you're like a temporary worker, um, you've been in contract jobs in different roles, how do you include all the different jobs in your resume without putting too much um, on the work experience section? Very good. Okay, so because you're targeting your resume, you want to put the information that is relevant. So you could have done multiple different, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? Because even with that, you're gleaning experience, you're gleaning transferable skills, so it's a good thing, right? But you want to focus on the relevant ones on, on, for that particular job, right? So that number one, you remain concise and focused, and number two, you remain within the two pages resume, right? So relevance is, okay. is important, okay. yeah. Thank you. Hi, Coco. Thank you so much for the watch. Uh, my question is, so like the um, experience part, mm -hmm. like then you put that like on your resume, like so let's say like you have like um, the experience, the uh, volunteer experience, you have a lot of experience and that part, the objective part, can you say like this, like you've had minimum like five years. Um, like Sorry. Can so you the, the um, experience part, like let's say you have it, like you've done like volunteer work as well and is it like you're trying to transition into another position and you've worked also in the company for a time, can you also had the volunteer experience you've done as well? Relevance, if it's relevant to where you're going, yes, absolutely.
Hi, Coco. Thank you for the presentation. I had two questions. Uh, the first one is, you mentioned uh, look and feel, right, and how important it is. And I wanted to know, like, how far can you go with that? Ah, good. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Um, so when I say look and feel, right, have the fundamentals. Now, I know you're in the creative space, right? Which is a bit, a tad bit more different because they're also trying to see how creative you are, right? So you want to do that. But think of your industry, please. Don't go and be splashing different colors when you're applying for an engineering position. Truly, truly, engineers don't really care. Like, they actually, I mean, you're one, they, they genuinely don't care, right? So let it be industry specific. So for you that is in the creative space, it makes sense, mm -hmm. right? Um, that you're showcasing your creativity in that way. You mentioned about video, right? Makes sense, right? That you're going, you know, you're going, you're, you're showcasing that creativity part of you in, in your videos, right? But if you're going for um, like a CPA, like they're formal people, right? So keep it formal. So again, who is your audience? That is the question you're answering. Who is your audience? If your audience is a, um, how do they call it? Cassie, what's that job you say you want to do? Something cre creative director? Creative director? Yes. So if you, if you are, if you're applying to it for a creative, like if, if your creative, if the creative director is your audience, absolutely, right? But if your audience is, um, you know, senior manager, bridge, bridge inspection, <laughs> he has no business with your color. <laughs> no, because I, those are some of my hiring managers. I work in, in an engineering company, right? They don't care. As long as you have. So think your audience. Who is your audience? Because you're speaking to your audience. You're not speaking to just anybody. Right. Or trying to sh um, show off. I, I mean, you are trying to showcase yourself, but showcase yourself in a relevant way to your audience. Okay, that sounds good. Thank you. Uh, the other question I had was about... Um, your experiences, like how far back can you go? Um, is there a limit to how far Very back good. So it depends on, um, I would say, the position, the level of the position that you're applying for, right? So if it's a position that requires five years of experience, relevance, okay? okay. So if you have that, put it there. Okay. If it's one that just requires, I don't know, eight years, Right, and you, and you only have five years, you're putting everything. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So it depends on the requirements of the job that you're hiring for. Okay. okay? Sounds good, thank you. And, and I would recommend like to everyone, have like a master resume. Like what I mean by a master resume is that one resume that has everything you've done in your life. Right? Because then you're able to, okay, for this job, I pull here, I pull here, I pull here, I put it together. Rather than always creating the wheel all the time. Okay, so um, it's 4.30 right now. For those who need to take the bus, um, now is a good time to exit. Nobody? <laughs> okay, let's keep going. Um, hi, Coco. Uh, thanks very much for the presentation, it was great. Um, I'm trying to get into communications, and um, recently I got a call from a woman um, you know, daylight, she just calls, hi, uh, my name is this, and I'm representing a bank. I'd like to get your resume, and you have to send this in, like, in the next one hour. 
And I'm like, um, okay. So, <laughs> so I get the form, uh -huh. and the name of the bank that she said she was representing is not on it. Uh -huh. Instead, it's um, some other company. Uh -huh. And I have to fill out a whole bunch of details. Uh -huh. And I send that back you know, double time. So my question is, is this a normal experience? That's question number one. Okay. And then secondly, if I do get the job, will I be working for the bank or for this company that I don't know? That's a very good question. So typically, agencies are the ones that do that, right? So, um, so I'll take RBC, for example. RBC has a lot of agencies to, to, um, to fill some of, uh, some of their part-time or contract positions. And the reason they do that is because it's less work on their payroll. So they just outsource that to somebody else. Right? So when they ask you, when they send you that document, it's basically like is you giving them authorization to employ you through RBC in this case. Do you, does, that, does that make sense? So that's why they do that. Okay? So it's not, so, so and then depending on the terms of that employment, it could be that your salary, that they will pay you, or they're just employed as a recruiter. Once you get hired, they're hands off. So you, so I think it's a question that you have to ask them, right? That, oh, um, will I be paid through you guys? Or, you know, like, is it that you guys, are, you guys were hired by RBC to just find the person and then RBC continues? Because it can work, it can work both ways. And typically when it's the first ways, which is, you know, they, they um, like you'll be on their payroll, Obviously, there's, there's a premium that they get paid as well, right? So typically, what you, what you are getting is part of the big money that RBC is giving them, which makes sense, right? Because they, they, have, they, get, they have to get paid for their services, right? So that's how they work, yeah. So it's, it's not that it's not um, legit. It's just you have to ask questions like, okay, does that mean that you guys, if I get hired, are you guys paying me or am I on RBC payroll? Hi, Karen. Thank you so much for sharing your insight. So when you were presenting, you spoke about um, that you only need 65% to apply. I'm guessing that's like the technical aspects that they're looking for, or would you say that's both the technical, like soft and hard the skills? The whole job. Like okay. The whole job. And how do you, like throughout the process, how do you position yourself in a position of strength, like when you lack so much? You speak about what you have. Right. And then if they ask you about what you don't have, mm -hmm. You, like you're willing, you learn on the job, right? Mm -hmm. But for, like my rule of thumb is amplify what you're good at, right? Like there's no need to talk about what you're not good at because it dim, it 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 um it dims your your own confidence, right? So talk about the one you have, mm -hmm. and then now if they do ask you, you know, like oh you don't have this, obviously be very honest, but just make make sure that you don't leave at oh I don't have it, no. I'm willing to learn, and you know what, as a matter of fact, I've been doing X, Y, and Z, mm -hmm. learning about X, Y, and Z, okay? Mm -hmm. And make sure that as you're saying it, you're not lying, you know, that you've actually been doing it, right? right? Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Uh, hi, Coco, thank you so much for um, this session, it's been great. Um, I have a couple of questions, so, the first one is um, for unpaid and paid experience. Should it be under the same like section heading, or should you kind of break it up? If it's relevant, put it on the same 
um, because again, that section is called work, work experience. It's yeah. not called paid experience. Right. Right? right. So if it's relevant, put it there. Gotcha. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and then my second question is, um, so I've come across like varied opinions in terms of how long a resume should be. Um, of course, you mentioned two pages here, uh, which is kind of what I leaned to before. But then I've also heard people say that it should be one page unless you have like a whole ton of experience and like work history. Um, so is it better to like aim for one page or? Yeah, Absolutely. Like, like I said, it's maximum two pages. Okay. If you can be concise and focus in one, great. Right. So if, um, actually just a follow-up question on that. If um, you're like experience, being concise and everything, it goes to like a page and a half. Is that that's okay, like that's an issue? Okay. Page, yeah. okay. Yeah. Perfect. As Thank long you. as it's two front back, two Got you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. So apologies. We'll be ending in about five minutes. I'll only take time. I only have time for two more questions and then we'll call it to wrap. Um, the one thing I want to emphasize is if you are leaving right now, please make sure you scan the QR code to give feedback. So that will help us improve the upcoming sessions and for future programmings as well. Thank you. Hi, Coco. Thank you so much for this session. Um, so I have two questions. So my first question is, um, I don't know if, I know you said you guys get a lot of um, applications and all that. So my question is, what part of, I don't know if you guys look at everything, but what part of the resume as a recruiter catches your attention first so you can look deeper into their resume? So if I'm able to spot what I'm looking for from the job description in your resume because you have made it easy for me to spot it, does it? Because we're human beings, right? So you have to think attention span. Um, like I mentioned, this is one role out of 25 to 30. Okay? So that's why, like in the, I think the last, um, the last time when I said look and feel is important, mm -hmm. I talked about using bold, itali uh, italics, mm -hmm. um, underline, all those features, because that is what helps me to find, okay, if I'm looking for Jira, you bold it for me, I can find it. So my second question is, how do you allocate for gaps in your resume? So if you work one year in a row, then you weren't working for eight months, and then you work for another two years, how do you allocate it? Good. So I would say, um, please don't lie, because it's easy to find out. Okay? Don't lie. When you go for the, when you go for the interview, because mind you, they've, they've seen it, and chances are they're going to ask you about like, what happened. Right, so the fact that they've actually even called you for an interview, it's a good sign, okay? They're, like I said, they will ask you, answer, right? But make sure that you don't answer in a lackadaisical way, right? Because nobody just sits at home and they don't want to work. Well, I want to believe that nobody sits at home and they don't want to work. <laughs> I want to believe, right? So it could be life circumstances, like different things, right? And you know what? The pandemic has been very, has helped for people, for recruiters to be very gracious in that space, okay? Because, I mean, like, I, I know of instances where, you know, for X, Y reason, people lost their jobs, right? And these are, these are like, these are okay, like, it's fine. It's, there's no condemn, genuinely, like, it's actually no condemnation. Like, recruiters are actually very compassionate to things like that, right? So I would say, you know, don't lie. If they ask you, without sharing too much, because you don't want to overshare and say, oh, my mother died, something, something. No, there's no need for that, right? Mm -hmm. So just say, you know, life circumstances happen, which, you know, I had to take a step back and focus on X, 
right? And then, you know, but then don't leave it there. But, you know, you're ready, you're back in the game, you know, you're looking forward to continue. So leave, always end your speech on a high note, okay? However you answer your question, always end on a high note. Don't leave it there. So one quick question um, is about LinkedIn, my LinkedIn and um, also resume. So does my LinkedIn have to, like, be exactly what my resume no. says? Or do you have, you can you, like... No, you can tweak it there. It doesn't have to be, as long as it has the gist of it, it doesn't have to be word for word. Mm -hmm. Because remember, you also tailor your resume mm -hmm. for, for the different roles, right? And you're not going to be tailoring your LinkedIn every two minutes. Hi, Coco. Thank you so much for the presentation. My question is just actually in relation to Joy's question. Mm -hmm. So in terms of like resume gaps, um, for, like how do you actually word that in the resume? Because sometimes obviously you don't have the opportunity to speak to the recruiter about it, but how do you actually add that on the resume? So Thank you, you can make use of your professional summary. You can make use of a cover letter. Okay, um, I think that's the end. So let me, can we give Coco a round of applause one more time? Thank you so much for a fantastic session. And that brings us to the end. So like I mentioned before, please scan the QR codes. It will really go a long way in helping to curate more sessions like these and hope you all have a great rest of your day.